Pelotero Pickle, episode 86. We got a ton on the docket today. Byron Buxton is the best player on the planet. Miguel Cabrera, 3,000 hits. Juan Franco, amazing. And baseball is getting feisty. Check it out. Pelotero Pickle, episode 86. We got a lot of stuff going on today. Our, our pre-show is electric. Before we get started, send us emails, pickle at pelotero.com. Tweet us at Pelotero Pickle. Send us your comments, your questions, your concerns. If you want to jump on Chris's anti-budget rental car, get on it. Joining me as always, Chris Calabello. How are you doing? Everybody get up. It's time to slam. Now, I don't know why I came with that. It's like jock yeah, jams. There's energy. There's a lot of energy today. We got a real jam going now. Welcome to the Space Jam. All right. I'm good, Bobby. All I had to do was call you out for you to get the pickle up Pelotero thing right. That's all I had to do. Just call Listen, you out publicly. I've thought about it. I've put the I've put the work in. I've dedicated the time to get it right. So we're 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 better now. It's good. It's a good thing. I'm looking at myself on on the Zoom right now, and my my eyes almost look as bad as Patrick's left eye. Producer Patrick caught an elbow in basketball. My eyes are looking not good right now. I need to sleep better. How's your my eyes look Chris? great? Yeah, you're like the epitome of health. You work out all the time playing basketball. I still don't sleep. Right, I'm just eating terribly. No sleep. Just I don't sleep, but I'm getting after it. I did have pizza on Saturday. You'd have been proud of me. I'm very proud of you. <clears throat> I had cauliflower pizza yesterday, which is oh, pretty good, actually. That if yeah, yeah, alternatively, it's good. But you know what did happen to me yesterday? So I, I decided I was going to randomly because my wife was going out i decided you know what this is a good opportunity to go hit some golf balls i'm going to get a twilight Ooh. rate at uh at red tail i went to red tail by myself and got my the 55 dollar yeah he gave me the four uh, best round ever at red tail i played played four golf balls on the front nine which is great i played all four in well technically the fourth ball was a jolly You're but playing i played solo? three balls straight up they played by myself headphones and everything i uh, played three balls as clean as i could play them like i just went to the ball played it and then the fourth ball was like the jolly ball in case you want to repeat a shot that you hated, um, but you didn't count it. And then on the back nine, I played just one ball coming in because I was like, that's a lot of swings for the day. And, you know, I want to get out of there. Got out of there under three hours, too, which is great. So I'm on my way home and I tell my wife, hey, I'm, I'm just going to pop into this TJ Maxx real quick. I need new clothes, you know, new lean Chris Colabello, whatever. And uh, it was a bad idea to go to TJ Maxx because they were closing and you're like, I only have 20 minutes. On the way home, just casually on the way home, smash a pothole, tire explodes. Just right in the middle of the highway. Literally, car starts pulling to the right. And now it happens in, in a construction zone. So you're in an area where, you know, there's really nowhere to pull over. And I pull over. Now they start putting the cones out. The state trooper comes by and he's... Hey, you good? I was like, yeah, my tire just exploded. He's like, well, you, you need to hustle. I was like, well, my wife's coming. She called AAA, whatever. <laughs> then all of a sudden, 15 minutes later, I'm still grinding away at the parts because it's a new car for me. I don't know where the jack is. It's a different jack, extensions, blah, 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 the spares underneath. So I'm grinding on the side of the road. Construction guy comes over. He's like, you good, bro? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, man. Like I just you popped a, a tire. You need some Duncans or what? Yeah, <laughs> he's like, well, just gonna just gonna need you to hurry up here. It's like, and I'm I'm like, 
oh, if you want me to hurry up, you're going to want to think about helping me. I'm like, wait, you want me to push my car out of the way? So, uh, yeah, they were redoing the road. Thankfully, they were redoing the massive pothole that I hit, apparently. Um, but I ended up getting out of there. I beat AAA. It took me about an hour because a lot of extensions on the Yukon. have to think, stick the thing in the back hole, release the tire. All that. So that was my night. I, was, I had to change a tire in golf garb. How'd you swing it, though? Pretty nice. I mean, all things considered. I feel, I feel crispy. Is that a good word? Firm I haven't like touched. That. I have I outside of chipping golf balls on my daughter for her to hit them, the wiffle golf balls. That's the only golf that I've played. I've, I hit a couple, just regular golf balls in the backyard too. But yeah, I got this like is the deepest I've gone there. into a year without playing golf. So I figured I should do that in the event that I actually tried to be competitive this year. I hit balls good. I st I gotta I gotta switch the shaft and the uh, and the driver. Because now I'm hitting my old driver better than I'm hitting my new driver, which is a problem. Yeah, <laughs> that's not right. Yeah. All right, let's jump into topics. Story number one, as the president of the Byron Buxton fan club, happy to announce he's very good at baseball, and he was on the baseball field again. Do you, what was the injury he, like, he hurt his knee? Something happened with his knee. He slid into second. I watched the play many times trying to figure out what happened. Just kind of tweaked it. Anyway, he missed a few games, came back. He hit a ball 470 feet yesterday to walk off against a friend of the program, Liam Hendricks. I hope we get to have a nice steak dinner with him again so we can tell that story because the last time we had dinner with him, he rattled off every homer, and he probably appreciated the uh, the distance of that ball that he hit. Buxton's electric. He's got – I think he has the highest ceiling in the big leagues. I'm going to, first of all, we're going to wear Liam out a little bit. Because I asked Liam, Liam did a picture with Brett Phillips on Instagram a couple weeks ago, a week ago, promoting baseball is fun. We promote baseball is fun. I bought a hoodie from my friend's company. That's nice. Liam, just come on the damn podcast one time. It's not that hard. You're, everybody will appreciate your Australian accent. We can talk, oh, tell be stories. Very highly rated. Very, yeah. very highly rated. Yeah, mate. Because now you're like a major close that's british sorry i've messed up the accent hey mate good day mate that's it that's my my australian but anyway i didn't even realize it was liam um and it's that's probably what he gets for not coming on the podcast no offense you're already rich you signed a multi-year deal so you're good i don't feel that bad for you probably still gonna win the division official buck is nasty he's he's on time man and the thing that i think i like the most is he's playing with that that chip on his shoulder? I've been t have I told you guys my my new strategy this year? It's chip on one shoulder, drip on the other. It's nice. He's got it. I had to he's mute myself when I sneeze, but that's the cheesiest thing I've ever heard. Hold chip on, and drip, sneeze. dog. Chip, you gotta it. So it's perfect, though. Back. Back. It's perfect because you have to play with edge, and I tell some of these young guys, this dude is playing with reckless abandon, like completely unapologetic, authentic, true to himself. And when you get to that place where you're blending swing and timing, which brings me to my next point, I'm not actually going to go there, but your swing is your timing and your timing is your swing. Just FYI. I want to let the world know that while we're on here. I've, we can I've get been into trying that to sing that tune for a long time and people either get it or they don't get it. And yeah, some people just aren't ready to hear it. And no matter what you say, yeah, 
Yeah. But Byron Buxton's swing is good because he's on time. And I'm more impressed at the fact that the dude was 0 for 3 with three punches. Bad ones, too. There weren't, like, good punches. And then casually turned it into a two-bomb walk it off. I drove in all the runs game. He's Nasty. so good. He's so good. Um, I I did a little deep dive on his mechanics. He's got this interesting little he. I did I did Soto and I did Buxton. Um, I'll probably post about them both. The Soto one I did talk about where he when he kind of shifts his way back, Soto pushes his knee forward like towards the pitcher. Buxton's doing something similar where he's kind of presetting the back knee. Pujols used to do that quite a bit. Pujols isn't doing that now because he's old and he's got a leg kick and he's trying to create some mo because he needs some mo because he's old, uh, which is okay. He's still got he's still Pujols. He's still my guy. But Buxton's got that knee kind of ducked in and he's kind of presetting it. And his move up top is like Matt Kemp. So he's kind of got like he's a super skinny combo of Matt Kemp and Albert Pujols, which is That's weird to say. Tremendous combo. Your first team all comper. Yeah, you know I, I, I um, I see patterns because I've just looked at too much video, and I I described it one time like when you watch one of those like CSI shows and they do the fingerprint scan, and it's like a match, and then it does a match. That's what my brain does when I watch swings. But yeah, upper body Kemp, and lower body Albert. Yeah, he's a more upright, but he's upright. Yeah, he's definitely just you super tell. squatty. You could tell he's trying to, he's almost like trying to like extend his core and then he's like setting his hands up high. Um, pretty cool. I mean, it just goes I to, posted a, I posted a picture on Twitter this morning, the ball he hit yesterday, zero extension, yeah. zero extension, the ball 470. I'll say it here. I said it there on Twitter. If you have to extend your arms to hit the ball hard, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> and if you can't extend your arms and hit the ball hard, you're doing it wrong. You got to be able to do both. If and most people who think they're using their hands are actually just using their arms, like hands so, the ball, knob the ball is like just pushing your arms at the ball. So let's terrible. talk about this for a second. I know this isn't part of the show, but it's probably worth getting into. So many young hitters, so much of the world hitting instructors are devaluing or not understanding or not appreciating what it means to get through a baseball, right? Because you just, to your point, if you can't hit the ball with your arms extended and with your arms tight, so like you, if you have to get extended to create power, you're wrong. If you're, if you can't get extended to stay through a ball, you're wrong. This is the only piece that, that really fascinates me. When I was young, I tried to avoid rolling over like the plague, right? I thought hitting, I've said this openly, if I hit another ground, if if I never hit another ground ball at the shortstop, it'll be too soon, right? I'm just, it's just terrible. Like grounding out to the pull side is the worst feeling of all time. And so I did everything in my power to learn how to get through baseballs. You talk about the Arnado finish. You could say like the no, the no rollover finish, whatever you want to call it. People don't even really know what it means to get through the ball anymore because because generally we're so focused on bat speed creation and hitting the ball hard that people are devaluing the way you truly create ball flight and why you should learn to hit from back to front as opposed to the other way around. That's my rant. Yeah. 
<clears throat> it doesn't help when uh, a lot of people promoting bat speed are like showing videos of people snap hooking balls pull side, being like, "Oh, we set a PR today." It's like, well, that that's a foul ball. You just pulled the ball foul to set a PR, and you've created length to do it because you have to catch the ball so far out in front to do it, and it's just. It's so much easier to promote a number than actually be good at hitting. I I saw I saw a weird thing. Uh, the ball Jeremy Pena hit to walk off yesterday. I didn't see that when I saw the highlight in the feed, but I didn't watch it. So th- they were saying, and then they pulled up a clip of Donaldson that was same exit velocity, same launch angle, and the ball Donaldson hit was like ten feet in front of the warning track, and the ball Pena hit went. You know, was it Pena or Correa that hit? I think Correa hit that to center oh, like Detroit. But it was the same same like concept. Same yeah. Yeah, concept yeah, same right? They're saying like you're oh, right. The you're right. Is, it was a... They're they're trying to make the argument about ball manipulation, disregarding the fact that Donaldson top spun it like crazy, but and that's, Correa didn't. So that's this is like a huge part of hitting, right? Is understanding how to create true spin. People talked about backspin for years, and they talked about it the wrong way, and they talked about cutting down on the ball, blah blah. blah. You have to get through baseballs. If you hook balls, you're going to kill distance. You're going to kill ball flight and kill trajectory. Just ask Joey Gallo. <laughs> Whoops, sorry. Um, Dude, should I, we get on Joey a lot. We. <laughs> I mean, he's <laughs> full, like, 0 for the Joey season Gallo. with 842 punch outs. Like, what do you want that me to say? Our, like, that should be the byline on Pelotero Pickle, the anti-Joey Gallo podcast. Like, I, listen, and like the dude's making $10.5 million this year to play baseball, and good for him. Like, good for him, Joey. You did it. You, you're, you're getting money to get paid, and you're somehow fooling the world into believing that you're worth that much. When you're an out, you're an out. It's just... It, like you can have stretches where you're not an out and that's okay. But more often than not, you're an out because 85% of the time in baseball, you play as a subpar version of yourself. So of your best self anyway. And when that subpar version is not good, that's the, that's the guy we need to look at when we're making evaluation on talent. How good can you be when you're bad period? Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm off topic. Uh, I, (laughs) Everything leads to either Homer stories or Joey Gallo stories. Which brings me to my next point. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, Buxton's amazing. Thrilled that he's on the field again. President of the club. Backside tater to tie it. Yep. Pull, pull-ish side tater to win it. And his his reaction after – Do did you hear – My favorite part was him, I, I said this after he had a Homer earlier this year. And he freaked out. He said he didn't even know where the ball went on this one. And it went four sections over in the third deck. Yeah. Which and Morneau the announcer, said. The announcer said. Was that Morneau? He's like, Morning. I've never seen the ball yeah. go there before. But he hit the ball and just went like at his dugout, like clapping, like, this is my house. This is my house. And I yeah. Could you hear the audio clearly? I couldn't tell what he was saying. I wanted to be I was just reading his lips. Saying. I was just yeah. reading his lips. I heard the how, my, how it sounded like a, it looked like a my house type thing. Yep. And I... So you want to talk about authentic reactions to homers and true, meaningful excitement and being in the moment. Yeah. And it was walk-off. Walk-off rules are do what you want. Yeah, take your pants over. off. Don't matter. Take your shirt off. I don't even care. Throw the bat into orbit. Whatever. But it, you can just tell when reactions are authentic and when they're not. Yep. 
All right, Wander Franco. Wander Franco. 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 Is your Byron Buxton fan club bigger than fandom? Bigger than your Wander Franco fandom? Yes. Okay. I, I'm I'm more excited about Buxton. I think Franco is like, he's like the switch hitting Soto. But he plays short stuff. He's it's, he's a different player. Um, I think Franco doesn't like his power's not there yet. But his plate discipline is so good. I actually I I did a deep dive on on Franco. There were a ton of swings that I saw in him where he was like really deselling the bat to get the ball in play. Like he's super early, so he would slow down and make contact, which most of today's game says just take your best swing. If you're gonna miss, miss with your best swing, which is stupid because you're just gonna swing and miss. And the argument is well, just ask Joey Gallo. <laughs> yeah. So I think Frank. I mean, he's a puppy. He just like he's just 12. getting to the league. Yeah. The more and more that he's able to pick his spots and let it fly, because he's got the pop in there. Like he had a ball, I think one twelve this weekend. He's gonna hit homers. Is he gonna be a forty homer guy? Maybe not. He's maybe he's probably gonna be like a three fifteen with 30, 35. That's pretty good. And he's not gonna good? strike out. He's not. He's not striking out. He's gonna put the ball in play. He's, he made a really good couple of defensive plays this weekend. He's just electric. Um, haven't done too much look at his righty swing, but his lefty swing sets angles really nice. Hands get where they need to be. Barrel gets where it needs to be. He had uh, there was a double that he hit down the left field line as a lefty, and then a pull side homer. And he just he's in the right positions. All of his angles are right, so he's got the swing. Swing is good. Characteristics are good. Plus, actual desire to make contact and put the ball in play effectively. It's a good combination. Which is ironic. How many people are teaching desell the barrel to put the ball in play? I don't see that too much. I, that doesn't show up know. in the blast report. No offense. I to was blast. I was teaching Future myself that because I hate, I hated I hated right turns. It, it, it just comes down to not liking being out and I got nothing to say about that kid other than. Keep going, man. You're special. Just do it. He's a yeah. I, I make the argument he's a better version of Lindor. I mean, I think Frankie is probably a more a much more elite defender. I think Frankie's as good a defender as I've ever seen. But uh, from an offensive standpoint, at age seven or whatever he is, to be able to do what he's doing already. Pretty, pretty good. And he's he's starting to play with that swag, too. I mean, the $215 million deal probably helped that. But, you know. Is that how much he got? 11. I think that it comes out to total value 11 and 2. It might be 230 it's, uh, with the option. 11, 11, 182, 33 the, team option. But he's only going to be 30. He's going to be 33 years old when that contract yeah. runs. The, the opt out. The opt <laughs> he's out. He's so young has a buyout on or the uh it's not the opt out the option has a buyout that will that takes the total value of the deal to, to yeah it's two yeah. 215. would you say 183 it's 183 the, so team, yeah, the, the, the final year is a 25 million team option 25 million in the year 2033 might be pretty cheap you're still rich with, with the way inflation's going uh i, I don't i'm so pretty sure i don't think we're gonna get to the point where 25 million is Relatively speaking, today, real, real, relatively real, speaking, twenty five might be pretty cheap in ten years. Sure, I agree, hundred percent. Relatively but speaking, real time value twenty five million is not going to be the equivalent yeah, of one hundred fourteen dollars. Cool. 
Yeah, he's chilling. He's Gucci, as the kids say. He's fine. 100. Uh, Elite. Rich Hill, after he said, uh, where is it? I got the tweet pulled up. I got too many tweets. I got all Rich my Hill, notes. Which Rich Hill, a left-handed pitcher from Milton. Rich Hill on Wander Franco, with whom he played last season. I know this is a bold statement, but I think he's going to be a Hall of Famer. I don't think that's that bold statement. <laughs> he's like universally one of the best prospects. He's he's a stud. He's an absolute stud. Yeah, I don't think and it's a bold statement. If he plays to his ability and stays healthy, like this is if you're in the big leagues hitting almost 300, you're you're good. You're a good hitter. When you're 12. Yeah, and in the minor leagues, when he was 17, he hit. 351 yeah. and then he hit 327 then he hit 313 and then he hit 288 in the big leagues and now he's hitting 349 like it, he's he's like the hitters hit type person it's not a fluke the first game his major league debut i remember we talked about he's blowing bubbles in the he's in the batter's box in the big league game Chilling. blowing bubbles Chilling. my first my first at bat in independent ball i couldn't feel my arms and this guy's blowing bubbles like it's like he's at the he's, park. Like he's seven years old playing wiffle ball with his buddies. By the way, did anybody see my late night tweet last night? Which totally unrelated to Wander Franco. Ty France is really nice. I so there was a breakdown of him on MLB Network this morning. By the way, loved him. So he was two years ago. He was hitting. He's got some Colabello-ish isms. He was hitting. Se- yeah, because he's a white right-handed guy <laughs> that everybody overlooked and. He was hitting 736 in the PCL a couple years ago or whatever. He, he like, literally winning the Triple Crown in the PCL, hitting over 400 the whole year. This year, 399 in the PCL that year. And everybody go, oh, PCL, Homer Dome, blah, blah, blah. This goes to your hitter's hit point. 2016, organizational all-star or MILB all-star. 2017, organizational all-star or Texas League all-star. 2018, Texas League all-star. 2019, MLB All-Star and Organizational All-Star. Hitters hit, dude. And my tweet was he just hit FYI. In 2019, in yeah. 76 games, he hit 399 with 27. And But go look at, like, he's always See? hit for average. He's always hit for average. I think his lowest batting average is like 268 or whatever, but he, that was the uh, first year he hit 22 homers. Yeah, 294, 271, 278, 267, 399. Hitters 399. hit, dude. And my point okay. in the tweet was, just FYI, if he got drafted in 2015, in today's in today's format of the draft, he would have missed getting drafted by 14 rounds. And he's going to be probably the, like one of the better right-handed hitters in the game. How's, how's that hey, possible? You know who's leading the league in batting average right now? Hitters who hit. Andrew Benintendi. Yeah. Benintendi's always had some hitterishness to him. Yeah. I just take him out of Boston. Down. Don't call me. Take him out of Boston. Get like his moves are fine. He just needed a little bit less pressure. Small, fairly small sample size too. He's got. Yeah, I mean, he's gonna hit two eighty five. He's Mike Greenwell, bro. He's Mike Greenwell. I got pretty fond memories of Mike Greenwell. I haven't looked up Mike Greenwell. Mike Greenwell is is the epitome of two eighty five with nineteen. I can't wait to pull up his one sixty two right now. 303. He's a 300 career hitter. 303 with 17. What'd you say? 285 with what? 19. Yeah, it's the same. <laughs> it's the same. It's I, the same. It's the same. Mike Greenwell could hit, man. 
But that's what Benintendi is. To, but but Green, I'm I'm taking a little credit away from Green Greeny because three three hundred in the show is good. But then everybody's like, oh well, it was a generation and hitting was easier. <laughs> you just choked yourself on some phlegm doing that. That was great. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about hitting is easier. Julio Rodriguez, rookie for the Mariners. We had some side conversations about this. He's striking out a lot. Looking, number one rule: if you don't want to strike out more, don't get the two strikes. I haven't, I haven't gone through his at bats to see what pitches he's not hitting early in counts. He's taking pitches that are way too close, especially as a rookie. We've got a, we've got a called strike rate by age because one of your side in the side combo, you were talking about like, hey, if you're a rookie, you can't be taking pitches like that because umpires aren't doing you any yeah. favors when you're it's a, a human bias. It's a natural so, human bias. Um, there's one, I think Codify was there. His video was the one circulating the most. I mean, like half of them were in the zone and the other ones were just outside of the zone. I guarantee there's other pitches in the abats that he should have been put in play that he was missing. I, if I have to go and pull it, I'll pull it. But yes. Those are not the core cause of the the outs and those other bats. So, uh, is it frustrating to have fringe pitches called on you consistently? Absolutely. Is that going to happen all year? Absolutely not. Tough start to the career. It's a random small sample size thing. I feel like he's a little bit late with his barrel. Anyway. Yep. Just watching it. Um, Which makes you fall off all the balls that you think you should be hitting early in counts. And then when you do that, now you start losing confidence because you're a rookie. So this is the point I was going to make. When I first got to the big leagues, I was nervous as shit. Because I'm sitting there and going, I'm 29 or whatever the hell I was when I got there. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my god, there's no other level to go to. And... If I do good, I'm going to make a lot of money here. This is game changer, right? If you play well here, you win. It's over. Not, I got to go chase it again. I got to go chase more. And, and there's this, there was this part of me mentally, and you talk about how difficult it is to hit. And, you know, just in case anybody thought we hadn't addressed the difficulty of hitting mentally and the emotions that come with it, we'll address it here. You know, even though I've talked about it openly in public a billion times, if your mind trumps anything that like you're, you, you have to think to have a clear mind to be able to hit, you can't hit. So the emotions that come with being a young player in the big leagues, a first timer, as soon as you go 0 for 8, you think the world is ending. I, I, I thought the world was ending. I felt like my computer's deciding to do its own things right now, but I felt like I had to force things to happen. And as soon as you do that, you squeeze a little tighter, the mechanics break down a little bit, and then before you know it, you're playing this cat and mouse game, you're going back and forth with emotion and not getting results and not performing. So you take a kid like Julio, who's obviously really excited to be there, and if you just happen to not have a good start, meaning you face a couple dudes on the first two days and, and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to go in and dominate these guys like I did every other level. You lose, man. You lose. That's why, like, you know, Bobby Witt Jr. is grinding. He's struggling because 
even though you had a, like some success in spring training, you built this false confidence and you just forget to keep showing up. No matter what, it happens to kids in college baseball, it happens to kids in the minor leagues. You build this false sense of like, I'm really good, I'm good, I'm immune to all this pain and, and suffering that the game's gonna cause me. And what I've been saying to guys, like you just have to let go. So the whole thing with Julio Rodriguez goes way deeper than the borderline pitch getting called a strike. I don't care that you got called out on strikes, kid. I need to know how you're going to respond tomorrow. You have to have the ability to let it go. And as long as this keeps happening, it doesn't matter what pitches you're getting called out on. Because from a psychological standpoint, it's the same thing that happened to Kelnick last year. You just have to get to the point where you just let go and you start playing every day as its own individual challenge. And that's it. And these are the things that regardless of whether people want to say they understand them or not, they just can't understand them. And the conversations drift so far away from them that I sit there and I go, you guys don't even, you're not even scratching the surface of what's really important here. Yeah. Yeah. His, uh, his response I thought was, I, I'm not a huge, like religious, like former religion type of guy. So he, they asked, uh, if he thought the calls would even out, he said, I hope so. God is watching and what goes around comes around. So I'm going to stay true to myself. F to me, as like a non like religious guy, that seems a bit over the top. If that's the faith that he has in his life, that's cool. Do your thing. Feels a bit over the top. We were talking about a game and like God is watching you. Um, but listen, if that's what allows him to be the same guy coming back to the field the next day, go for it. I'm going to tell you what I really liked that I saw from him yesterday. Um, and he seems this like is he's how, still smiling. He's still playing. Yeah, like yeah. Still so this is the whole so – Jesse Winker uh, hit a sack fly in the 10th or whatever it was to tie the game. And Julio scored because he, he was the guy on second to start the inning because he had made the out the inning before or whatever. And he tagged up on a ball that wasn't overly deep, ran his butt off slid through home plate and got up and immediately like jumped up in the air and did a fist pump sheer excitement for somebody else's moment right because it's technically not your moment i know you scored but you didn't do anything to to earn that other than just move your legs fast so i think that's that's a sign of a young player who is committed to the right things as opposed to you know sitting there feeling bad for himself but i will say this um there's a better chance with him right now because they started him down in the order. Um, I think he's much more desensitized to failure than a, like a guy like Bobby Witt Jr. Who you start. You, here's the problem with hitting that guy second on opening day. If it don't work, it's just going to get worse because now you got to move him to the seven hole or move him to the eight hole. But if you start him in the eight or nine hole and like reduce the expectations. So there's a cycle, like a psychological thing there too. There was a good um, segment on uh, MLB Network the other day. They were talking about spring training versus regular season. I think it was DeRosa. Don't, I don't exactly remember who it was, but they were talking about how spring training, they're not necessarily trying to get you out. They're trying to work on stuff and they're going to throw the pitches that they need to throw to get ready for the season. So when you get into the season, they're trying to get you out. That's objective shifts to number like number spring training. Get ready. Do what I need to do to work on me. In season, I'm get, I'm trying to get you out. I'm trying to win a ball game. 
And the difference in that, you see a lot of guys go off in spring training when they're not getting pitched in a fully realistic way. So this, the, it's always scary when you see a guy pop off in spring training. And like Aaron Hicks, when he hit three homers against the Phillies, and they're like, "Hey, you're the start. You're no, you're the starting center fielder now because you had three homers against the Phillies." And then they stuck him in the one hole, and maybe he needed to be batting eighth. Maybe he needed to be batting eighth. And same thing with Kelnick last year. Like they let him go like seventy plus at bats, and it just wasn't there. And the feeling of going from the seven hole to the two hole feels good. Going from the two hole to the seven hole doesn't feel good. It feels terrible. They were talking about that with Bellinger last night too, where he's hitting seventh right now, starting to starting to heat up a little bit, starting to look like he's looked in the past. And they were like, maybe you just leave him there, and yeah, maybe he what's hits wrong his, with maybe he hits there. his way. It, it'll get to the point where. Guys at the top of the order get more at bats. So if if he's earned the right to, if you want that guy getting more at bats, you move him up in the lineup. He's going to get more at bats. He's going to. The lineup writes itself every day, and it's not written in stone. You don't chisel it out in a in a stone, and like you have to be strategic about how you create it early, and then allow guys to get comfortable in their spots. And it, I tell you what, the Dodgers are a much less analytical team now with the DH in the National League, right? Because there's just nothing to analyze as much as, and, and it's, you know, look, the matchup stuff, whatever. It, no matter what you do, you're gonna create, you're gonna create weird situations where the matchup is gonna come back to haunt you because you don't have that many bench guys. Like as soon as they cut the rosters, now it's 13 position players on each team. So as soon as you pinch hit twice, now you're down to basically your other catcher on the bench, you know. Um, but anyway, it's, it's it's all interesting, man. Just build the lineup. When it's going good, just leave it the way it is. And, you know, it's just leave it. Let him hit there. Let Bellinger hit there. Let him let him get his sea legs under him. Let, let the young kids get their sea legs. And, yeah, Julio, swing at borderline pitches if you don't like striking out. If you're cool with striking out, which I know you're not, then don't. Basically, point of so the point of the story is, if you don't like striking out, fight that shit off. <laughs> don't get the two strikes. Put the ball in play that you're not putting in play. Yeah. All right. Big story over the weekend. Miguel Cabrera, three thousand hits, base in the right side. Very appropriate. His first thousandth, two thousandth hits were all homer. So, kind of a letdown that he didn't go deep for three thousand. Were there really but, people that got mad that he hit a ground ball to second base? No, I was being sarcastic. Oh. But awesome moment. He's so good. And then his comments, uh, <clears throat> when the Yankees intentionally walked him, he's like, we won. Who cares? Like, we're trying to win baseball games. Even in his speech to his team, he's like, let's keep playing the game right. We got a lot of a lot of pieces in place here. Let's just keep, oh, God, keep winning. Um, I loved it. Then there was the uh, – there was a – what was the – What's the, the fake, the Yankee short porch or whatever account? Yeah. <laughs> it's like the spoof account. Got me once on the podcast. Got called out for it. But it was like Aaron Boone. His comment was like, you prevented me from winning the World Series in 2003. Now that's how I got you back by intentionally walking you. Yeah. What a, what a, uh, is that a low field move to walk him? Intentionally walk the guy trying to get 3,000 hits? I mean, if low it was field? the last if it was the last game of the year, I'd say, yeah. There's going to be another game tomorrow. So I would say... No, who cares? 
Because you could like you could say it's the it's the right baseball play, but also the wrong baseball play. Going macro micro there. Yeah, it's just. I mean, again, if it was if it was the end of the season, the end of a career, if it was Bernie Mac and Mister Three Thousand, and it was his last at bat ever, probably like let him have it, you know. Um, But no, it's. I mean, it's way too early in the season. If if the true objective of playing the sport is winning and losing, then yeah it was fine whatever i wouldn't want to be a guy that gave up his three thousand. so if i had any reason to walk him i would and you know he's swinging it pretty good right now too so you know the moment called for it and in typical in in very jovial miggy fashion he uh you know threw the hands up what are we doing like but that's part of what makes him special his ability to kind of just embrace that and it's funny to to listen to you know, read all the stuff <clears throat> that surrounds a big moment like this. And people are so fascinated by his BP. I was reading an article the other day where he's like, he's like, who gives a shit? It's just practice. It doesn't matter. It's like, and he's like, people are, why are you so excited? It's just practice. Like, who cares if I can hit a line drive in, the, in practice? It's so different than the game. I say that all the time. I'm like, who cares? It's batting practice. Nobody cares. But you know that the... <laughs> The approach, the approach well, when, that he when creates. You think, practice, you think practice creates your opportunities for like, if if exit velocity is the thing that gets you to the next level, then you then you start to value it. So, but no, the point the point I'm trying to make is Miguel Cabrera, really good hitter, professional BPs, and they're fascinating to people because a lot of people don't even know that that's what their objective should be, to go line to line with regularity. It, you know, it's funny is that I was talking about this with somebody last night that. And it's Joey Bats' line about if 90% of the world's doing it, it's probably wrong. Like, if your objective as a player is to, to be good, you need to stand out some capacity, right? Whether that means through consistency or ability to do something somebody else can't or whatever it is. If you go watch even a big league BP, you'll see a lot of guys are just trying to drop pull side head. And, you know, they're – it's what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? You know, and I'm gonna so when we, when I was down in Florida, I think Travis Blankenhorn, great kid, love him to death, like one of Ferbs' guys. He took a round, he took like two rounds where he hit like every ball over the pull side wall, and some of the kids watching from Eckerd were like, "Whoa!" And I was like, "Yeah." And then I watched DJ LeMahieu hit. He's just hitting line drives through the four hole like very underwhelming unimpressive like you'd watch dj lemayhew's bp and if you didn't know it was him taking batting practice you'd go you wouldn't you wouldn't just go whoa i'd take dj lemayhew on my team every day of the week twice on sunday over travi blanks and no offense to him but what makes you a better game hitter is what you should be working on in practice and that's why people are impressed with cabrera did you see the, the quote about the yankees guy the uh, Yankee scout on Cabrera. Did you see it? No. no. I so, did not. Uh, Miguel Cabrera was asked about possibly reaching 3,000 against the Yankees. He said, a, Yan- a scout from the Yankees told me if you make it, it'll be as a pitcher. He got fired. <laughs> nice. So there's a scout somewhere that said that Miguel Cabrera wasn't going to be a good hitter. So um, anybody, if you've, got any, if you've got any haters out there, Dude, put that it, log on the fire it's that? so it's so ridiculous to re- the, the internet has become 
this is why Twitter and Instagram are a dumpster fire. Like you have to, as whether you're trying to build a company or have a career or life, whatever, you have to be on social media, right? You have to, and you have to put out good content because that's the way you get discovered or whatever. The problem with the thing is that if you, I could, it's the Mike Trout video thing you can post a video of mike trout and somebody's gonna say something ignorant they because they just don't know they don't people don't even do their research they don't they just make comments and they don't there's no accountability no thought process and then and then all of a sudden you just ignore it and move on with the rest of your life and avoid that circle of people and then you just go on to another another conversation and nobody knows that you did that or said that or whatever. And it's so ridiculous. So ridiculous. Because I'm like an elephant. I remember everything. And I see everything that I see. I don't see everything. But there's no way in my world that you're going to live down some moment of whatever you want to call it. Being an ass just for no reason. Because you chose not to look enough into the details. Because you're choosing to listen to the narrative that your brain is telling you already that's already your own agenda like who the hell are you you're you're a piece of crap dude just sit go bury yourself in a hole and shut up nobody wants to hear what you have to say anyway what a segue to the next topic which brings me to my next one (laughs) baseball getting confrontational so we got a bunch of stuff happening uh we had a situation at yankee stadium where I I don't even understand. There, I saw my favorite comment was like, they're throwing beers on the field after the, in the ninth inning. There's a walk off, and they cut you off in the seventh inning. So there's people, a lot of people in Yankee Stadium that aren't finishing their beers, which is a travesty in itself. Like you're gonna go to the stadium <laughs> and buy a thirteen dollar beer, like finish your beer, don't throw it on the field. It's the ninth inning. The game's over. What are you saving it for? It's time to go home. Uh, Miles Straw jumped up into the. Jumped up in the uh, on, on the, the chain link, there, yeah. Which I didn't even know that was chain link. I never knew what that was. So it's chain link, which seems like it shouldn't be chain link. It's Yankee Stadium. Why do they have a chain link fence? Well, he climbs up the fence the... and he's like, he's yelling at the guy. Some guy was making a derogatory hand gesture that I'm not going to do. It's not the Illuminati. I thought it was Diamond uh, Dallas Page. Wasn't that? Nope, wasn't yeah. that? Yeah. So we got Aaron Judge. And Stanton are running out to the field being like, stop throwing stuff on the field. We just won the game. What are you doing? And J- Stanton's doing the this one, the the cut it out hand. Then we got uh, the form tackle at the Juco here in Texas. Uh, which one is the Classes fans one? Is that the Yankees still? Or is that a different one? Yeah. No, that was Straw. He, he just called them classless. And then the uh, the one that just happened, I tweeted about it this morning. This high school game that, I mean, the kids are like straight, like you're getting people out and just staring them down. The thumbs down on a double I thought was pretty funny, like which if you do it to your dugout, it's funny. But the kid hit a double, he hit a dugout, looked in the other opposing dugout and gave a thumbs down. Still kind of funny, but like you're doing it. You're So the like the instigations were escalating and escalating. Like I'm... I'm convinced we talked about this pre-show. I'm convinced the tipping point of like violence is going to start happening on a baseball field because the tipping point 
was the kid tackling the guy. That got a lot of attention on social media. We saw the, uh, the the Melendez kid for Texas hit the homer, did the bat flip towards the pitcher. Two weeks later, a kid had a perfect game tournament, bat flip towards the pitcher. Like, looked like it probably went to the pitching dirt. College I heard kid, somebody threw one in the other team's dugout. Yeah, yeah, college college kid tackles the hitter because he hit a homer and said "f you" round of the bases. It's gonna happen. It's this is going to happen. There, tipping point has been reached. The f around and find out. We're gonna find out. It's gonna happen. There's gonna be like further and further escalations. There's gonna be some kid that doesn't care about his career. Who is just there because he likes baseball, but he doesn't. He's not thinking about his future. He's not thinking about like, oh, if I start a fight, I'll get kicked off the team. He doesn't care. He's gonna go tackle somebody. He's gonna go punch somebody in the face. It's not gonna be good. Cause them be, be fighting words, dog. It, it's listen. going to happen. Listen. For for the longest time now, what feels like the longest time, our, our society's trying to and I'm I'm not gonna try to make this some holier than thou rant about, you know, what's right, wrong, or indifferent. For the longest time now it feels like people from the outside are trying to evaluate situations and pass judgment on situations with I'm not gonna say the wrong lens, but with a the a lens that you're trying to do better, right? You're trying to help right wrongs and 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 avoid violence and uh, i get it right like you you know when two kids got in a fight in school in high school you wanted to avoid that because you know let's use our words to to get to conflict resolution and so on and so forth for thousands and thousands of years humanity has resolved conflict through war right you just you resolve conflict through action and and when you're not directly involved in the situation it's really really hard to understand the emotion that people are experiencing when those moments are going on and i i know war is kind of an extreme example but yeah i was thinking that when you said it it's (laughs) but the point is people are gonna people you know they're they're gonna get emotional and at some point especially in in competition, especially when you keep pushing their buttons. And and, I mean, we saw it at the the, the Oscars, man. Like when you just keep pushing and prying and prodding, people, like everybody's got a breaking point, dude. Everybody. And to not understand that, that those breaking points are getting closer and closer every time you show somebody up on a baseball field you're getting closer to that breaking point and but this is when people say i'm tired of the unwritten rules i'm like dude what are you talking about it's not about unwritten rules it's about human emotion it's about the root of of why you do things and what competition is about so yes bobby is there gonna be follow-up to it maybe probably yeah I, i i would say a, a fan thinking that they have the right to throw a beer at a player from another team is ludicrous, like ludicrous. But this is the the entire, you know, you give an inch, take you're going to try to take a mile where, again, 
you want to revert back to root causes and it's it's lack of accountability for individuals that are causing the situation it's just lack of accountability if, if you're not held accountable for certain things then why wouldn't you just keep pushing the envelope give an inch you're gonna take a mile a lot of times unless that person has enough feel to understand not to oh yeah you want to at scream f you to the pitcher as you're running around the bases for no reason or whatever the context is cool be ready to get dotted this time you just happen to get dotted with a spear instead of a fastball so yeah and like <clears throat> this isn't new there we when we when alvern high school played uh manchester central there were cops of the game because there was animosity they're like, they literally had cops of the game because the year before in the handshake line after the game, somebody punched somebody in the face like this. It's not new, but what's it was new is people's it, ability. Yeah, it's people's ability it was to dealt see it. With, it was. Yeah, people can see it. If I mean, if that happened now, it would have been national. News. I mean, yeah. people would have been arrested. It would have been it would have been crazy, but it was dealt with. And then like, all right, there's gonna be cops of the field. There's gonna be cops of the game because if something needs to be taken care of, it's going to be taken care of. But I like, I don't know what happens. This high school game that got posted and the caption on Instagram was the, yo, the atmosphere, like this was a good thing. And then if you go in the comments, all the older people are like, this is embarrassing. I can't believe this is happening. How are the coaches not dealing with this? And every young person was like, this is what baseball needs to be. This is baseball fire emoji, fire emoji. It's just, oh man, this, that was not baseball. That was a powder keg ready to explode. There's going to be a massive brawl on a baseball field. Massive. Are these kids like running after the game? Are they like, what happens at practice the next day with the situation? I'm. They probably just tell the coach what to do because the coach can't say anything anymore. Look, there's a fine there's a fine line for everything, right? Like there's there's just these lines everywhere. It's you have to you have to understand moments. You and and you have to be okay with the consequences. And it's it's okay, like look, there are times when it's okay to respond with some sort of emotion. Like if a, if a person is creating emotion, negative emotion toward you, at some point you're going to lose your mind, right? Because that's what well, happens. There's a lot, what yeah, there's a line do. where you have to stand your ground to a point. And sometimes when you don't respond, the other person will escalate because all they're trying to do is get a response out of you. If you watched the NBA last night, the – the the guard was it the Pelicans against the Suns that the rookie guard for the Pelicans was just trying to be a menace to Chris Paul. They have like multiple guys in the court just trying to get into people's skin because it throws you off your game. And some people thrive in that environment, some people don't. I, I see one more way more people not thrive when their emotions are elevated like that. It's not sustainable. Not in the long run. You throw a punch, you might lose your career. But as I said earlier, there's 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 way too many kids that just don't they don't care about their careers enough to just not get in a fight. But that's so I, I've said this a thousand times. You can do whatever you want on a baseball field. You have every right to do whatever you want. I don't care. I like literally it's not gonna affect my life. <laughs> but you better be okay with what comes from it. And that's every time 
you create a response from somebody, you better be okay with what the potential consequences are. And I just think that's a lot of what, what happens is nobody thinks about what the worst case scenario is from something, right? Oh, you want to stare a guy down. You want to dance off the mound, like whatever, man. There's a reason cliches exist for a reason. There's a reason why unwritten rules existed, Bobby. It wasn't just by accident. It's because the people lived these moments and they understood the implications of them. They just understood why they were happening. This is like a, this is like a new puppy dog, right? You get a new puppy dog and he's running around the house. He's so excited. And then all of a sudden, you know, he sees something, you know, that's hot and he doesn't know it's hot. He's like, oh, you're trying to keep him away from it. And then all of a sudden he goes and touches it like a little baby when they touch the burner. <gasps> and then you never do it again. Hope, so all hopefully you're you're not putting a baby in a situation where they could touch a hot burner, but well, a five year old might walk by the stove. He doesn't know. <laughs> hot, but hot. The Dumb the hot. point is, you only know what you know, <laughs> and when you're young and you haven't had experiences, you don't you don't really know. You you push limits because you're not you don't know, and you you haven't experienced things like the first time. My first time I, I, I did, I made a gesture in professional baseball toward a teammate on the field. And I, I was literally just telling him, like, hey, we need to get inside on this play. Like, you you know, you weren't inside. He came up to me after the game. He's like, you ever show me up on the field like that again, I'm going to fucking kill you. And I'm like, what? I'm like, and he's like, dude. And he pulled me aside and he did it individually. He's like, dude, don't you ever tell me what to do on a baseball field. And I'm like. Or like show me up with a hand gesture, you know, and I'm like, and I didn't, I didn't even realize it. And then, you know, my Joey, my nephew's playing two years ago. I'm watching him play shortstop, and he he throws the ball a little high. First baseman, like, jumps, but his glove never went higher than this spot. So like he jumped, but his glove stayed right here, so he didn't have to jump. And then Joe like looks across the field. And he's like, dude, just like, reach up. And I was like, Joe, then be fighting words, dog. And he's like, what? Like you don't you don't reach it like everybody in the stadium knew that he didn't need to jump you didn't need to let him like you didn't need to let everybody know like if you want to talk to him about it you go pull him aside after and be like hey man what happened on that play when it's not in front of anyone that way you, you don't you don't embarrass him you don't you know you don't make him look bad and I think that's just part of what's missing is like we don't realize that letting our own emotions out is making somebody else look bad. And if they look bad, then you better be ready for them to be pissed off. Yeah. It's it's just a – when I see videos like that, I, it makes me think about what travel ball is now, how if you're not happy with the situation, if you try to coach kids tough, they might just leave your organization. The parents aren't going to appreciate it. The kids aren't going to appreciate it. It's the exact thing that needs to happen. But they'll just go to another team where they can do whatever they want. And I remember coach, I mean, this is, I, I haven't coached a travel ball team in five years, six years. And it was getting bad then, so it, it's not getting better. So we got a bunch of kids who are growing up in a scenario where you accountability isn't appreciated at all. Like, you you try to be tough on kids. You try to teach them, and we just pack it up, go somewhere else. Because it's ultimately being driven by money, and if... They're not getting what they want out of the situation. They take their money elsewhere and they pay somebody else to try to get what they want there. So that's just trickling up to all levels of the game. 
I just I watched that video and I was embarrassed. And now guys that play in obscure junior colleges that nobody's ever heard of are famous for form tackling somebody. Oh, because they got every game in the world to stream now. It's easier yeah. than ever. You got a broadcast truck in your pocket. That's the biggest. That's the biggest difference, dude. Is everybody can see everything. It goes. It goes fully, like full. I think it's happening on. more. I think it's happening a lot more now. I think the fact that people are seeing it is allowing it to happen more, right? Because if you that. didn't see. If you didn't see it, you know, it's all it's same thing with are the crime rates higher? Are there more bad people like it's tough to say, you know, on a global scale, like you just you're seeing more of it. And is that causing more people to have the idea to do it? Right. Is is the question, you know, bat flips for sure. More people are seeing other dudes bat flip. So they're they're bat flipping because they don't think about the people on the field in that moment, they think about the people in the fake world that they live in online where they're they're They've got to, they've got to show out and get followers, you know, metaverse. Oh, Snapdragon! <laughs> Ready fake player money, one fake world. Ready player one is taking over the world. Yeah. All right. Post show quick couple items here. Best way to deal with things when they don't go your way. We've got uh, jazz Chisholm superstar. 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 This dude's electric. He's one of the most electric players in baseball right now. Umpires chirping him, trying to get him in the box. He's like, dude, just let me take my time. Like, what it's Phil Cuzzy, too. Pies not then, good old uh, boy. Pies on. Yaddy, Yaddy's in there like, throw the ball, throw the ball. We're going to get him out. And then for whatever reason, doesn't throw the ball. Just the ultimate shut up. I'll let me do my thing moment. Uh if this was the SEC, it would have been it would have been strike three, and he would have had to go yeah, back to the dugout. That. Yeah, it's, it, th- let me tell you something, Jazz Chisholm. I do also. I love. I love. Uh, Jazz does a euro step to the plate on homers. I yeah. like what's up, uh, Palacios. Palacios the gritty, doing the gritty, doing the gritty down the third baseline. I li- I kind of like it down the third baseline. The euro step at a home is pretty. It's. Pretty smooth. Like Let it. me tell you something. People, when people <laughs> embody cool, he he's like he's a swagosaurus. And if, as long as you back it up on the field, dude, I do whatever you want, man. If you can ball, what I was gonna say is jazz. Jazz is one of those guys who's just very in control and takes ownership of his career. Right? He's just very, very in control and doesn't let the moment bother him. Most young players, if Phil Cuzzy screaming at him, get in the box, be like. Oh, <laughs> And then they freak out and strike out. Jazz was like, "Dude, relax, bro. This is the the this is the body language that I'm trying to like get people to understand. Like, he's just a human telling you what to do. And you could be like, okay, I'm either gonna do it or I'm not. But certainly, I respect his composure in that moment. And then the ability to like slow your heart rate down and hit a pump, pretty cool. Pretty he's cool. really cool." He's really, really cool. Yeah, Jazz defines cool. Producer I mean, his name's Jazz. Since he, he hit a pull side pump against DeGrom last year. Was that last year or two years ago? Producer Patrick's been all over him. And he's right. He's His name's he's Jazz. That's yeah. all you need to know. Yep. He got like 17 colors of hair. Like John Morant, John Morant is the coolest cat on the block. He got 17 colors in his hair. Like dreads. Like his interviews are fire. He's like, ah, I don't give a shit. He literally is like. John Morant was like, my dad's my first hater. If I can deal with him. Yeah, he's like, yeah, like, dude. 
Like, bro, you think your shit's tough? My dad was hater. You think you think I'm, you're gonna bother me? <laughs> Uh, which is immunity. which is throwing so much shade back on the player trying to talk trash like dude get on my dad's level he's been yeah. doing it since i was in the crib like yeah. <laughs> all right last one we've got a uh, justin dean who just threw a guy out from i mean from forever he was from so orbit yeah. but he was the whole thing about it was his body was going the complete opposite direction i think that's why everybody's fascinated by it he got he got around it pretty decently. He got around it, but it was but still, still his I mean, momentum's going to the third base. Though, yeah. It was like a three hundred foot throw, like just absolute Puig, dime. Puig, Puig's made throws like that. Cespedes made throws like that. Yeah, Pedro's the, made throws like that. So the the clip was Vlad Guerrero, Ichiro, Bo Jackson, Bo Jackson, Jackson esque. There's only so many people that can make this throw. Like this is a world class type throw. You remember how many, uh, how many people make who, that throw? Who was the the right fielder for the Royals? Carlos uh, Guillen. Carlos Guillen. Guillen. Was it Carlos Guillen? Jose Guillen. I think that's wrong. Jose Guillen. Yeah. Yep. He had Super one. cannon. Yeah. But we're talking about like these are a handful. And Keel from the warning track, like throwing yeah. a guy out at third. Yeah. I mean, look, I, the throw was great. Don't I, I can't make it. So I'm not left-handed, so it would have been harder. Um, this guy's a righty. You're all over the place on this clip. Whatever. Uh, wasn't he? I think everybody we've mentioned has been a righty, except for Frank Hill. He's a righty. Why did I? So he was, he got a, but he was going. Yeah, he like, he, it, it's almost like he, he ran. The play was weird because he was on the warning track early. I don't know if like, was he deep? I don't know. He was playing really good deep. Throw. And he, I'm watching it right now. He ran over like 30, 40 feet. But he's on the warning track the whole time. Yeah. So like he ran, he basically ran around the, the grass cutout to get to the ball. Yeah. He got around it pretty well, a lot of stutter steps, and then just unleashed a cannon. I don't know what producer Patrick's laughing about right now, because either my dog's my barking in the background or unleashed a cannon, one of the two. Did you see the uh, the the Charles Barkley and Shaq clip from the weekend? It was you're gonna need to go find it. I don't know. Probably. I think it's appropriate. But Charles. Oh Barkley yeah, yeah, I did. About... I know what you're. Ta- I know what you're talking about. I know. I know what you're talking. About. Anyway, on that note, he's got a uh, good arm. He's got a, the guy's got a hose and a pretty good arm too. One of those jokes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're done. We're done. The baseball it's joke. The show's, the, baseball the show's over. So the show's over. The show's over. It's inappropriate. It's All funny. Right, no, it's still over. funny. Stop. Stop. <laughs> All right. Finish. See you later. Pickle out.